Hello, hello. Uh, welcome to your fourth episode of Charge. This is your host, Golden. My name's Tika. And I'm Sid. Uh, to begin this episode, I have to apologize that last week we weren't able to upload a new episode. This is because we were all very busy and unfortunately the time slots just didn't make sense. Yeah, but I want to start today's episode by talking about Jack Sweeney again. So Jack Sweeney was a guy that uh, made a Twitter account for at Elon Jet. And um, he's actually, so so due to the Russo-Ukrainian war, um, these Russian oligarchs, they, um, th- they're the people in power, right? So, okay, well, he's basically tracking them now. So, Jack Sweeney recently launched two new automated Twitter handles, at RUOligarchsJets and at PutinJet, in order to follow the invasion of Ukraine. The two profiles have amassed nearly 300,000 followers combined and uh, provide nearly live updates of the private jet's movements along with pictures of maps locating them. That's pretty insane. Yeah. Uh, And Sweeney told Wall Street Journal that people have long awaited accounts like these because they want to ramp up the sanctions on Russia's power. So we spoke about, um, for example, what... um, Elon like preventing people using Tesla or something like in uh, Russia as one of the sanctions. Okay. Pe- people want him to do that. Yeah. The same with like Netflix as well, like uh, stopping yeah. access to that. And um, so, yeah, once again, the definition of an oligarch is um, a business, a business like professional of this former Soviet republics who rapidly accumulated wealth during the era of Russian privatization. So these are the people of the upper class, I suppose. And they're like, you know, the, they're the kind of like almost leaders of, of Russia. Did you, did you know about Chelsea? Chelsea Football Club, the owner uh, himself is an oligarch. And the club is now in financial trouble because, oh, right. you know, because I think all his assets in the UK has been frozen. Yeah, due to... Uh, like it's not legitimate money pretty much because it's from russia right so well it's a, it's a sanction I I, yeah. I I wouldn't question the legitimacy of the money because that's complicated but yeah uh yeah so it's so frozen because of the i mean it's been opposed as a sanction yeah that's why he wanted to sell the club as well and i saw a couple of memes saying that um the players allowed to fly in like ryanair and stuff and stay oh, yeah. in three-star hotels yeah and so basically russian oligarchs face like an economic crisis from the West after Putin sent his troops into Ukraine. Um, the United States and its allies have responded by sanctioning wealthy individuals who are close to the Kremlin. So what you were saying, they've you know stopped ha- their money coming in and they've frozen that, their bank accounts, right? Um, some of the jets tracked by Sweeney's account include the Chelsea Football Club owner, Roman um, Abramovich, uh, businessman Alisha Uzmanzov, you know the Romanov um, yeah, person, yeah. The, the Chelsea owner? Yeah. Um, th- there's a lot of stuff that, you know, he's a quite controversial topic, like um, due to the Russia-Ukraine war. Yeah. I think they're digging out a lot of his, um, you know, past history, financial history. And also there's one specific thing. Um, I think last year he claimed Portuguese citizenship. And that's from, you know, a policy of, I think... Uh, something something to do with like Jewish community and how um, it's like a return or it's like a political sort of refugee uh, citizenship kind of 
policy. And I think he has abused this. So I think he bribed one of the um, leaders in um, Lisbon. Yeah. So uh, he is now being questioned about the citizenship as well. What do you think um, is going to happen to the money that he's given to the, you know, the bribe? Um, I mean, first of all, the the guy that apparently, allegedly, you know, got bribed, the person who essentially gave him the citizenship, I think he was arrested in Israel a few days ago. Um, I, I, I would say it, it wouldn't be a big issue because uh, obviously, you know, citizenship, visa and everything. So there's always, you know, holes you could, you know, go through and, you know, stuff like that. So in my opinion... Um, it's, it's just going to be like a controversial topic for now. And even, you know, the worst, worst scenario is that um, the billionaire himself kind of just gives up the uh, citizenship. But there wouldn't be further consequence after that. Right, okay. Um, so anyway, yeah, there's there's Roman Abramovich. There's also a businessman, Alisher Uzmanzov, and uh, Leonard Mikkelson, who is the a billionaire chairman of the Russian gas provider Novatech. So these are quite, these are just three examples of like really rich Chinese oligarchs, right? Chinese. No, yeah. Russian. Russian. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking. So, right, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Sweetie said the country's richest are traveling on commercial sized aircrafts like an Airbus A319 and Boeing 737. And their planes are huge compared to other jets. So, mm-hmm. So typically, um, rich individuals would have like small private planes, right? So, but they would be very luxury. But these these really rich people, they they have commercial planes, which I assume are probably like like kitted out, you know, like they they've got really nice interiors. So, so these people are like mega rich, you know, and absolutely, and yeah. So, so what's the what's the what's the purpose of tracking them like, as in their flight? Is it just to monitor the activity and stuff? Here, I, I, let me just finish. So, um, so in total, the accounts track more than forty planes and helicopters linked to Russian oligarchs. I don't know how many there are in the world, but, but um, th- and this is the reason why he's doing it. So he, or the reason why he doesn't want to give in to like Elon Musk's bribe, for example. He said, "I don't want to let go of a hobby, uh, for something that's not going to change my life." So you know how he said that, um he'd accept a Tesla or like $50,000. He said that would change his life, but if he doesn't get something like that. So what did Elon get, propose, like 5,000? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think it was like 5,000. He says that that won't change his life. So why would he give up, you know, like a fun hobby? Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's entirely like just just a hobby, but I think he, he finds like loads of interest in it because I think his his parents or something are like, something to do with aviation but actually i believe for him to say that i i think it's more of a leverage for a greater um you know trade if someone does want to take take down his account um it's this i mean this young man's actually quite smart the way he um you know bargains and everything i think it is quite cool we'll see um probably talk about him a lot in further um future episodes as well yeah i mean i watched i i previously didn't know like what his intentions were but from just watching like a an interview with him it's, it's very clear like he's not just doing it for um like as a publicity stunt it's literally his hobby like wow. he's he's passionate about it and that's the reason why he has so many accounts i mean 
it's also cool like you you do have the whole world like watching you you yeah. would do this so yeah uh so i was going to talk about how recently oh actually before i go to that um since we're already on the russia ukraine type of topic um well t- it turns out that it's not just other countries like kind of sanctioning um <coughs> sorry uh R- russia and cutting off their access russia actually has retri- has restricted its own civilians twitter access amid the ukraine invasion twitter access yeah all right so I think that's probably, I mean, I, I'm assuming that that's to, like, stop the spread of propaganda from within the nation. Because, I mean, there is obviously, as you can see through the many protests and stuff, many people don't agree with what Putin's yeah. doing. And so I guess um, it's almost a war against Russia, the whole world, and itself. So, yeah, I thought that was yeah, quite interesting. No, it, it's quite interesting. Like, um, so I'm, I'm half Russian, yeah? And my mom tells me about these um, types of things, like, if you even call it that hot thing a war, yeah. they they will like kill you pretty much or like prison you or something. So really, yeah, they they really don't like people that call it a war. I think they call it like an invasion or like yeah, invasion. Yeah. I think it's like like a retrieval of like homeland or something along yeah, the line yeah. of that. And and also, you know, in protests when they have up signs that say like uh, no to war, yeah. they don't even like that. You know, because you're still calling it a war. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think, in my opinion, this thing is like completely crazy. Like, for in Russia's, um, like perspective, you know, like why would they do that? So, um, other than that, uh, moving away from the whole war topic, um, so a very common virus, uh, HIV, mm-hmm. <coughs> sexually transmitted disease, uh, leads to AIDS and uh, almost always, um fatal well in many cases fatal uh so recently i think this was about a month ago actually um a u.s patient is believed to be the third person in the world and the first woman ever to be cured of hiv um so yeah that's obviously a very big step in the direction for uh forward in medicine in the medicine sector and yeah i mean uh, so how it was actually done was um so she was she was being treated for leukemia uh and she received a stem cell transplant from someone who has natural resistance to the aids causing virus which is hiv and obviously uh sorry if you don't know what stem cells are they're basically the body's raw materials and the cells from which all other cells are um generated so uh the woman has actually been now free of the virus for about 14 months and um so while this is um, a big step forward, many experts say that the transplant method, which involved the use of uh, umbilical blood, was too risky to be suitable for most people. And uh, yeah, so since getting the transplant, she has not needed to take any uh, therapy required to treat the HIV. And uh, yeah. yeah, so wh- I mean, the thing is, this this approach is obviously great and it it's... It's obviously a massive step forward, like I said, but it doesn't really bring us closer to a cure for like the I think it's approximately thirty-seven million people who live with HIV yeah. in like sub-Saharan Africa and other regions like that. So, yeah, I mean, this it, it's it's been it's happened twice before, and all three had cancer, and all of them needed a stem cell transplant to save their lives. But um. Yeah, I think while this is amazing, the main hopes of a cure are still focused on vaccines or drugs that could help flush the virus out the body, 
rather than a stem cell transplant, which isn't really accessible to many, many people. And um, I think there are drugs already that can, that can turn HIV into chronics, right? Yeah. So patients would have to essentially pay for the drug. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like a monthly, weekly prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have to say the person who, I mean, the, the, the drug company is earning like loads from this. I have to say it's a great, you know, commercial success for the company but obviously um you know i I, you know for future career i'm thinking to go into you know pharmacology Mm -hmm. um and i i do believe um as part of sort of my motives in joining the industry isn't just for um obviously the commercial value and the financial benefits you get from being essentially like a biochemist yeah but also obviously you know treating people and sort of eradicating disease i think that is, you know, a major step up for, yeah. like, human civilization if we could eradicate HIV. Yeah, especially, like, a disease such as HIV, which is much more prevalent in areas such as sub-Saharan Africa that, like, don't have the same education regarding contraception and due to, like, uh, religion and stuff, may contraception is probably, like, frowned against in many areas. Mm-hmm. So it, it, regions like that really don't have access to uh, fancy stuff like stem cell transplants and these uh weekly drugs that you mentioned so what are some effects of like hiv i know you can you can die from it right so yeah i mean it's like it's an amino deficiency virus so i think uh, it has something to do with turning your own um immune system against yourself so yeah it's nasty fair enough i think um well actually um i've i've written like an essay for the uh you know school essay prize last Mm -hmm. year and it was about personalized medicine yeah. So, you know, personalized medicine is pretty much obviously each individual. Like, I mean, pretty much. Let's 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 talk about cancer, right? So, a tumor itself, is, uh, put it put it in plain words, just a mesh of protein. Yeah. Like everything is a mesh of protein. Okay. And then obviously, each protein has different amino acids and how they're you know folded, everything, the the you know, the shape of it, the actual content within the protein, etc., are all different. <laughs> so, for instance. We could have the same type of leukemia, yeah. But there's even we have we have the same type of disease, you know. Um, if we really like go into the specific specific details, it is so different because obviously we're two different you know human beings. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking I was talking to this with a friend. Um, so I I believe, you know, obviously for each drug when a drug you know is developed and passes through you know FDA gets yeah. approved and get something the market um let's say if you submit a file for okay uh, for this drug it's for treatment of you know this type of leukemia but because how you know chemicals work this type of you know it, it, it's approved for this type of leukemia but however it could also be working for let's say liver liver cancer yeah. kidney cancer so um it really depends so the drug itself its chemical properties are like a whole range of things so they can it can do a lot it can do a lot of harm mm-hmm. but also if you really put it on the sweet spot it can cure a lot of the you know, diseases as well so perhaps um do you know do you, do you know a lot about personalized medicine no not very much um I, I in my opinion i believe personalized medicine could be you know a potential uh therapeutic pathway that we could go down for treating hiv yeah but you know the difficulty will be how do we sort of commercialized personalized medicine how do we put it in like a big scale yeah because obviously um there are how many people 36 million 
Yeah, 37 million. 37 million. So there's 37 million patients in order for us to, you know, replicate treatments for, you know, each of these individuals. Would yeah, be it's quite challenging. Impossible. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, well, so you, personalized medicine, you're saying it's like specific for each person. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you can't mass produce it, can you? But even if it's slightly different, is there not one thing which could work for, let's say, like five different things do you know what yeah, I mean? there, there are but it's just i mean obviously by saying this a lot of you know pharma experts which is like i think i'm really i'm putting everything in plain words now so what what you're saying is correct and it is pre- pretty much um i mean it's a game of probability it's a numbers game it's a mathematical question so obviously um so for instance the drug imatinib which is treating um I think my large leukemia, it turns into a chronic mm-hmm. uh, rather than, you know, a deadly disease. Yeah. And then I think imatinib itself also, obviously, it's like, it's a chemical, right? So obviously, I think this type of treatment could also work for other, you know, tumors and stuff. Um, but it's approved for my large leukemia. And for someone that takes this drug, of course, is you know, it cures their, their my large leukemia. But also can you know do harm to other parts of their body just like any other drug yeah. so um it's going to be a very difficult mathematical question so we don't actually know chemical properties that well so we don't know exactly how well, so let's say if you take a drug right now you don't know like specifically how it's going to affect your body you know the general like reaction to it yeah. but you would never know in detail like which part of the body which particular protein that you're affecting into like that deep of a level so um i hope one one day you know something like ai machine learning we could perhaps solve this uh, puzzle it's a mathematical question yeah how are um how is like this type of med- medication or any medication made like what how i i understand it's, it's like how, a, what's the what's the development phases for you know a drug yeah well so um I mean, it is it is pretty much a three major phases. So the first phase is called just basic science research. So this is mainly government funded. So if you go to a lab, perhaps in like a university, let's say you go to one lab in Cambridge, inside they will be twiddling with some chemical properties. And then um, that's what people do for PhD, etc. So um, they find this chemical, um, as it, let's, just, let's use a chemical X, right? And then it has you know this particular chemical property that is pretty cool. And then you'll you'll be like, okay, can we make tweaks to this property to chemically synthesize synthesize it to uh, make it tackle you know this problem? Yeah. And then obviously there are multiple ways in directing this. You could do it industrially. So sorry, in the industrializing it as in, in the sense that you put it into like factories. So what kind of lubricant works best for this machine? Or obviously you go to the clinical approach there are many ways of you know applications for these kind of stuff you go down there so so you see okay and then after so okay so let's say this uh, chemical x works for treating tumor tumor b and then now is now the next phase is the actual applied studies so you're seeing how chemical x uh you know does stuff to tumor b and then what are the adjustments that you would have to make to make it work better, more efficiently, etc. Yeah. And then when you sort of knuckle down your major body of how the chemical works and what are your, you know, commercial like 
um, you know, ideas. You essentially move on to the clinical testing. So for clinical testing, there are three phases. Phase one, phase two, phase three. And then when you pass phase three, you get approval so you can sell it commercially. Right. Okay. So with the current laws, basically, personalized medicine could not exist because it like this type can't go through cl- clinical trials, right? Um, I think, okay, so personalized medicine is a very broad thing. It's like saying computers. So computers, like contains like such a variety of things could be a pc could be a laptop even for the pc you could have the different graphics card different fan different box and for laptop list you could have a in you can have an intel laptop you can have apple laptop etc and personalized medicine so let's just say you know the personalized medicine that you know a lot of you know billionaires they they do so essentially what they do is it, it is pretty much like a mesh of different drugs together you kind of bind all these kind of things together so instead of making like starting everything from scratch you are essentially combining maybe like four moles of imatinib and then you know sixty thousand moles of and so this is like one thing that they can take and it is essentially um a mixture of a lot of different drugs and then the your job is to find out the proportion and what kind of drug you need for this particular protein so if you find a tumor, how, maybe how they do it is that they cut a bit of the tumor off, they analyze the tumor, and what are sort of the blood vessels to block off and to kill the tumor. And then you go back to the lab, you find the drugs are already like in existence. Um, you kind of mesh them together. And also um, for the clinical trial itself, so you could be part of a clinical trial. So for instance, if you are a leukemia patient, you're in a hospital, um, some of the drugs that you would take might be in a trial so you might be one of the trial people yeah i saw i saw my instagram feed today um are you like we're looking for asthmatic people for like clinical trials so so they they like take them in for like i think 11 days or something they give you they give you certain stuff sometimes you get paid for it yeah yeah you got you get paid like five thousand or something that's pretty insane yeah i mean there is obviously a risk Yeah, yeah of course and also um so for also fda so when you're given a drug it's called a double uh, double blindfold testing okay. where essentially half of the group will get a dummy drug and yeah. half of the group will get real drug and then you will see the placebo effect in the yeah. ones that got the dummy ones and also um, it's double blinded so the patient doesn't know the doctor who is prescribing doesn't know so that's, that's what's the that. point in that? I guess to remove bias exactly so for oh. instance if I give so obviously placebo effect. So if I let's say if you're you're having like this really sore throat right now, and then you ask for a pill, I give you some like sugary stuff, like just like sugary fake yeah. pill. Yeah, you might feel better because you think you got better after taking yeah. the drug. That's called placebo effect. And by having a double blinded testing uh, setting, is that you're trying to minimize your your you know placebo effect to actually yeah. say that okay my drug actually works it's not that it's placebo yeah okay right so you think if you give like a leukemia patient some new like something um something that's in on clinical trial they'll just feel better yeah and even though it might not do anything yeah yeah okay right so you could you could quite literally like give the guy like Haribo's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's finger. I just had the best yeah. drug in the world. Yeah. So uh, this week, I think on Friday, 
no, on Thursday, uh, there's a new Apple event. And for this event, Apple has dropped some, uh, you know, serious, serious big boy kits. What, what do Apple usually release around this time of year? Well, this is called the um, first quarter uh, Apple event. Usually you get some, you usually get... MacBook? No, you usually get some, um, just some bits and bobs. It's not, it's, it usually wouldn't be like a mass, it obviously has one like big boy item, but the rest are usually like yeah. really, really small stuff like HomePods yeah. or like the new AirTag, something yeah. like that. Um, and in this case, the big boy item is the new M1 Ultra chip. This thing I have to say is a complete game changer. And it is so good that it it's just it blows my mind how good it is. So, I mean, that's what we say for every generation, though. No, it? no, but this one is genuinely like <laughs> next level. I I know I'm using a lot of wishy-washy language yeah. right now, but do you know, just, do you know why it's next level? Well, just and look look at the the chip. It's like M1. So obviously the three the three chip M1 chips that are, are out. Sorry, four chips are out right now is the M1 chip itself, the original chip that you get, you know, last year in like a MacBook. Yeah. And then the M1 Max and M1 Pro chip, which is where, where are the chips that you get in, on my, my MacBook. And then this is the M1 Ultra. It is the double the size of M1 Max, which is already yeah. like completely like maxed out. It, 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 like this, this chip pretty much washes any Windows chip, any Intel chip by absolutely miles well i hate to be that guy but you know how everybody said well with the m1 chip you can do every, anything you've ever wanted to do and more so what's the point oh no i mean so so this is some proper hardcore like rendering video editing let me so, let me just say so basically the the specification of it is exactly like double of the m1 max, max yeah the reason why that is literally on the trip chip they left like a space where you can like plug them in, yeah. which is quite cool. So yeah. so that's that's how it's like, like double double the M1 Max, which is already better than every anything that you ever wanted. So this so, is yeah. actually like Bitcoin mining that type of stuff. Um, obviously I'm not really sure about Bitcoin, but <laughs> theoretically I think you can pretty much do anything in the world. Like with this chip, like it is so mind blowing. Like you can run some proper like AI simulations. Yeah, and so is the price. That's yeah, my price point. range. Going <laughs> I'm say. No, actually, it's actually okay. So obviously, okay. obviously, it is not cheap. Really, it is not cheap. But I have to say, it is a hundred percent justified if you are a professional. How much in this is field. it? So if you max out everything. So what I mean by it is max out everything. So if you're like a pro, 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 that would be eight k, which is like a fraction of your salary. And then you know, if you have this, it would increase your productivity by like completely miles this is just a mac mini is it this is a mac studio this is a product called the mac studio um it is kind of like a bigger version of mac i think they literally said it's like it's like a mac mini supercharged or something it is um obviously last i mean a few years ago we got the mac pro which is like it looks like a cheese grater yeah um that device at the time was like insanely powerful but people kind of clowned it because obviously it's expensive and if you have the same price with Windows, you could get a lot better spec. You could look get a much bigger, better spec 
but obviously people buy it because of because of its Apple. Yeah. But for this Mac Studio is different. The spec in the little in the pot itself is like so much better than any Windows any sort of PC you would build yourself. It's faster than thirty ninety by like right. washes thirty ninety. And that's how good it is. Um I mean if I'm if I'm like, I don't know, um a neuro um software developer and i'm doing some proper hardcore simulation i would definitely buy one of those because they look gorgeous they they look absolutely insane um and also no, the, i i don't agree i think it looks like a block no <laughs> no as in a spec like <laughs> yeah imagine, sure. imagine like you have this like super you have okay so prior to this event we are holding a macbook pro a 16 inch macbook pro that has the m1 max chip you feel like a god. You, when you are in Starbucks, you know your device is so much faster than the person sitting next to you. And with this big giant block thing, absolutely it's ugly. And okay, it's Apple, it's expensive. But what you're having is you're pretty much putting like the best of best, like computer art- architecture with the best software in the world, in my opinion, I, I... Into, into this thing. I agree. It's like very like elegant for what it is. I mean, previously thirty ninety, as you said, that in itself is probably like bigger than the actual box of the yeah. of that. And that, if it has, if it is actually faster, then you know that, that's that's incredible. It um, is incredible. But I think the problem with it is there's no like upgradability of you for yourself. Like you can't you can't go. Right, I'm gonna have more GPUs in here now. But why would you need more GPU? You're saying it's the best of the best, but yeah, but this is already like, obviously, it's for commercial use. If you want to, you know, the the, the the type of computers that, um, space stations or weather forecasts. Supercomputers, yeah. They're supercomputers. Obviously, you can't make that a supercomputer for for commercial, uh, use of, like, laptop. I'm sorry, it's not it's commercial use of like computing power. This is more than enough. I mean, this is this is. You're never gonna need anything like this for commercial use, um, unless you're doing some like proper like edge cutting like development in software, or or you know video rendering or something. So if you if you work for like a music, uh, if you're like a film studio, and then you just film like uh, Spider-Man Five, of course like with editing the editing in this thing, it will be the same. Yeah, but we've done it previously on other things. So, and I'm sure they don't use Mac for um editing that the other stuff what what is mainly used like what the main complexity in like a spider-man film for example would be the like 3d animation or like or the cgi Mm -hmm. so that's um but i don't know how well that works on the mac to be fair that's a very good point um obviously i can't speak about that i'm not a professional in film editing but yeah. I have to say, it's a very competent machine. Yeah. And the price is expensive, but I, in my opinion, it is justified. Yeah. And um, the next product they've came out is called the Studio Display. Uh, the Studio Display is pretty much like um. Like a small you know how XDR? when you get iPad, there's the iPad Pro and there's an iPad Air. iPad Air is pretty much like a cheaper, more affordable shrink down size of MacBook Pro. Yeah. So. Studio Display is pretty much the heir of Pro Display XDR. I mean, Pro Display XDR has just still still better specs. You know, 6K versus 5K, 
1.6k nits versus 600 nits um i think the only good thing the only thing that you know the the studio display has but the but the um, xdr doesn't is his camera and um speaker but that that's kind of like that that's useless like i'm not i'm, I'm, I'm not saying i'm not saying it's useless but like on the greater scheme if you're like an editor you wouldn't purchase obviously if, between xdr and studio display like by having a speaker it's just like it's not that much of a bonus yeah no not the speaker the the webcam to be fair if we look at what they're used for studio display is used for what like studio like it's for like a, like it's just, um like anyone could use yeah it. yeah exactly for, for, for xdr it's like proper hardcore like yeah so th photoshopping. so they probably wouldn't have like they wouldn't have a need to have like these uh camera or speakers because no, because it is actually just a monitor i mean yeah. not many monitors have webcams in them so yeah. I mean, it doesn't come cheap either, the studio display. Um, so if you have the standard glass, that would be 1.5K. If you have the uh, nano texture glass, that would be one point, almost 1.8K. And um, the, the thing about Apple is that, you know, you know for Mac Pro, they, they used to sell these like wheels on these Mac Pro yeah. for like 800 pounds. What, each? Or, no, like no, a, a set. A yeah, set. Yeah. That's like stupid. And... Um, the, the, this thing has this like stand and the stand is like another like 600 pounds upgrade or something <laughs> it's like it's, it's a bit stupid exactly but obviously if you're like a big mac fanboy and obviously if money is an issue for you you might be considering getting this um stand I, it does look elegant and it is quality stuff yeah. like uh personally i don't own xdr display but i've been to friends houses that they have the xdr I have to say, it looks elegant. Yeah. And it feels super quality. Like you're not getting you're not getting cheapskated by Apple. Yeah. It is some good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, Apple is never gonna cheapskate you. It's just gonna run you dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I do agree. Um, but actually, um, personally, if I would buy a desktop, I would prefer getting the iMac, twenty four inch. Really? What's that? Is that the colored one? Um. It, yeah. It is the um. Yeah. The the different colored ones because. Obviously, the so okay, so let's look at the price of this machine. Um, if you get just a standard machine, that's like 1.2k for it's, it's, it's a self running device, it's good enough to watch like movies, it's good enough to, for like homework, and you cut it comes with the um, keyboard and mouse, that's yeah. like 1.2k rather than getting a studio display, which is like just a monitor for like almost two grand. So Personally, I, I would definitely go for the iMac. Yeah. Well, that actually has the, like, the, the base model has the exact same specifications as uh, my uh, new... As, uh, oh, yeah, how, how has the Mac Air been doing for you the past yeah. two weeks? So the MacBook Air, it is, like, it feels very, like, premium, right? And it feels very, like, elegant to use. And it's the complete opposite of what i experienced when i had my other laptop where it just kind of felt like it's bul bulky like kind of plastic yeah um like flimsy like you don't get any of that with mac but that's like expected i mean that is the that's the whole selling point but i'm glad that i chose like this macbook over like what the the macbook pro they have a macbook pro 13 inch which oh. is like a complete scam in my opinion now Why? because it's like it's what how much is more is it? it's like 300 pounds more 
and all you get is like the touch bar and there's barely any changes so the yeah yeah i remember they when they removed that... it in the, in the new one touch bar like the one that the one that i'm using yeah yeah because that, that's um 14 inch and 16 inch yeah and um after using it for like a week or something i say that yeah it's much better than windows um i haven't really experienced much like it's slowing down i i bought the most like basic model if i have like everything open yes it does slow down i tested that but um i don't i don't need everything open but one thing is on the school wi-fi uh my friend um alex he was he had the same problem where he couldn't connect to wi-fi in some lessons right so it's i don't know why but like oh yeah i have that as well yeah that's Um, quite odd yeah i I don't know what it is but like you are you um try to connect the school has like its own uh loading page but the not even the loading page comes up so it's actually just some wi-fi problem but that that's about the only critique i have with the new macbook air shame um but to be fair, you know how you were saying that if you open everything, it yeah. does slow you down. Yeah. Um, on my Mac, if I open everything, it's like sometimes I have like fifty tabs. Yeah. Fifty tabs with like OneNote. Yeah. Teams. Does it slow down? Things, calendar, everything open. The fan doesn't even react to it like at all. Is there even a fan in it? Yeah. 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 And it's very loud if I manually turn it off, but. It, the, like what's the, the 16, what's, sorry yeah go the oh, 16 right. inches is like insanely powerful what's the battery life like with all this stuff on it i i my from using my laptop from i bought this in october october f- from now to from october to now this thing i've never run out before. and i just charge like like i don't know as a habit like i just yeah. plug things in i yeah. never consciously bring charges with me because the life the, the the lifetime of the battery is just so insane so op yeah i remember um with like the first iphone so i think they've they've got like a new battery now but it used to be if you leave it plugged in i don't know if this is true for like devices now but if you always charge it and never like run it out never like if the if the computer basically or phone doesn't know what zero percent is then it's going to run out faster right so so, so it can reduce the battery life in that sense. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And also, um, the new iPhone SE came out. Yeah. I know you have SE, but that's not the new one. I think the new SE is pretty much identical to the old one other than the fact that it has better chips inside. Probably has a better user experience. Yeah. To be fair, like, I've never really experienced any problem with using this, like, phone. Apart from like Snapchat bugging, but that's literally just Snap. But yeah. out of interest, why would you buy an SE? Like, first, why? Because like I, per- I've never used an SE. Mm. I've, other than you, I don't know anyone around me that uses SE. Like, it's cheap. Yeah, 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 of course it's cheap. But like, where, it's where, like six hundred instead of a thousand pounds. Yeah, but you could have chose like an like, old iPhone X, or you could have chosen like an old. Sure, I could have chosen XR or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But XR is still more expensive. I literally just chose the most cheap phone. XR is like, I think, at the time I bought it, I think it was like 800. Yeah, 800. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so this was 600. And it has the chip of, it had the chip of the um, 
the new 12. So it had the most recent chip. So. I mean, it's fair enough. To be fair, I, I never really use my phone. Like, I think yeah. my iPhone is one of the worst purchases I've ever made. <laughs> I can tell you. I just, I just don't use I thought that, you know, this was like a game changer. And yeah. obviously every few years you, you get a new phone. Yeah. And before this iPhone that I'm using right now, the last iPhone I got was in year six, year seven, when the iPhone X first came out. So it's been, I would say, like three, three, four years, which is like, I, in my opinion, it's like a good time switch phone. Yeah. So I, I switched to the 12. I probably keep 12 until I be, be like go to yeah. uni. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping my phone until, yeah. until that. Also, I want to mention, um, so I, I broke my screen where I like cra uh, cracked it, yeah? And like the user experience for like repairing a phone via Apple Care or like whatever it's called. What's the app? It's it's like Apple Care. Oh yeah, Apple, it's just called Apple Store, I think. Yeah, something like this, yeah. It's, it's, it's like really good. You um open an app on your phone. You go to the, you go like to the repair section. You select your location and then you select um like what's wrong with your phone uh -huh. then they tell you when to come you go there and it, it's really sick like they update your phone while you're there they charge it they like repair it all and it's like much cheaper than if you didn't buy it like apple care right so so was the overall experience very yeah yeah it's like it's like seamless like you literally walk in there's one guy just waiting for you basically do you have to book in advance yeah yeah but it just seemed like really professional really like slick which is yeah but it does put a lot of trust in the um apple employees i think like yeah. why because they have to be trained and stuff. yeah yeah like oh, yeah. it's quite a complex process for them i think mm. but um but yeah it, it was really smooth and um I think one really weird question that they asked, I think they asked for like my ID or something. Like, I don't know why, but. Oh, to make sure you're the owner of the phone. Yeah, yeah I had that yeah, as well. Yeah, but I dropped it off there without ID, so. Oh, no, no, you need like, to collect it. Mean, yeah, obviously. Yeah, when you, when they, you... they don't mind if you drop it off, but if you're going to collect the phone. Yeah. yeah. But I did, but they didn't get ID when I am when I was first there, so. I think it's under your Apple ID or yeah. something like that. They obviously know whose phone this is. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I got mine. Because obviously I, I think I was uh, when I bought my MacBook. I think I was after the release of it, uh, like the first two hours I purchased this, mm -hmm. so I was like one of the first few people that got it. Yeah. And then I looked at the delivery date, so it would take like something like two months for the delivery to yeah. Alamo, which is like insane. So instead, I was like, um, what if I do like collect? So I think in London, I think there's a big store in. Um, Street. Yeah, something like that. And then I, I got my friend, Stefan Wang. He picked it up for me. Um, and then I have to, like, enter his passport and stuff uh, for the oh, pickup. Right. Yeah, so... Oh, fair enough. They have to be the, it has to be the right guy that picks it up. Yeah, yeah. For collection, I think that's definitely true, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a good place to stop today's episode. Uh -huh. um, if you guys did enjoy it, make sure to tune into the next episode. And obviously, if you're on YouTube, please press that like button and subscribe. Thank you. This is Charge.